0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Unnecessary Roughness.
1: Caught at the twenty, racing near sideline ten, turn to the five, touchdown Raiders.
2: The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby.
1: Unnecessary
0: Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m.
3: Here's your boy Q.
2: Welcome in, welcome back. The question that we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Overall feelings on what you heard from Jimmy G as he met with the media today? That's question number one. Second question, if the Raiders stay put at number seven in the upcoming draft, Jalen Carter's there, Christian Gonzalez is there, and one of the two quarterbacks, either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, are available what do you do and why? 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. A couple different subjects I threw out there to you. Right now joining us on the phone lines is my guy, Jose Sanchez, all49ersSI.com, at fn on Twitter. And, Jose, uh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully you're going to have a great weekend. Hopefully you enjoy your St. Patty's Day. You know a lot about Jimmy G, my man. Uh, you've been covering the 49ers like a glove. The Raiders made it official today. He met with us, uh, had a pretty good pre- press conference. He said all the right things. What are your impressions of Jimmy G?
0: Yeah, I've watched that press conference, and a uh, shout-out to you, Q, for your question. I was like, I know that guy. I know, I know him. <laughs> I met him a couple times. Um, but, no, it, it's pretty much standard Jimmy Garoppolo, the way I took it, the way I watched him. It was it, it, That's pretty much the guy you're going to get. You know, notice how like he's not using like a lot of like fluffy words and stuff like that. He's literally just going up there unrehearsed being himself and that's one thing that that can always be attested to him is authenticity, uh genuine. Um it's pretty much like it, it, really relating to your question is what kind of guy are the great raiders getting. It's it's the same guy with in terms of energy and being a leader because that's one thing that's always 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 a common theme with him ever since he stepped for the niners is he's a leader. He's a leader, he's got energy and, you know, you always get the same old, oh, he's a winner thing, but, you know, there's a lot more that goes into that. But anyway, but it's always, like, the leader portion. So I think when you sell that, when you see that with the, with the press conference, you know, he's not making any guarantees. He tells, he tells you your goals, like, yeah, yeah, this and that. But ultimately, like, I see it's a process, and I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to really instill, like, a, like, a, like a good energy here. And that's one thing he, That's one thing you can always credit for him, is he's never going to fold, he's going to keep his head high, and he's going to try to keep his guys rallied around and stick together.
2: You know, we had a caller in the last hour say that Jimmy G is comfortable in his own skin. That was what they took away from uh, the oh, press yeah. conference. Is that is that a very accurate statement? Is that he is very comfortable in his own skin? one thousand percent.
0: And I mean, you look at the way he handled uh, Trey Lance being drafted um, two years ago uh, when the Niners traded up all those picks to go to go after him. And it's like, yeah, they, they pretty much the way they just leveled it down to Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, hey, like like this is what it is. It's probably your last year with us. And he just he just. I would do He was like, all right, yeah, let's go out there. He wasn't uncomfortable. There's was nothing negative to say. And I'm sure, personally, he was a little, like, ticked off. And he did admit that. Like, yeah, like, you know, it's pretty much like, oh, you're trying to replace me? But he didn't make it in terms of, like a toxic situation. He still put the team first. He still played well. Or, not well in 2021, he played decent. This past season, he played really well. He played at a high level and I think he demonstrated something that, yeah, like I understand it's a weird situation. It's it, it, a lot of humility with him. That's a 1,000% what you're getting with him, humility. And I think it's something that resonates and you need from a leader, especially at your quarterback position, because there's one thing you want your quarterback is a high-character guy. And that's ultimately why the Niners have always kept Jimmy Grapple all those years, despite, you know, some, some mediocre play at times and stretches, is that, you know, he's a high-character guy, he's a leader, and that's something that teams and players can, get, uh, can be behind and rally around.
2: Jose Sanchez is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary reference. Let me ask you this because that word leader comes up multiple times when you talk about Jimmy G. I took that away from the press conference as well. How does he go about his leadership? Like, what is it? Because players in the locker room, even guys that we met with yesterday, said, oh, Jimmy G is a hell of a leader. I want to play with him. Like Philip Dorsett wanted to play with him. What is it about his leadership? How does he go about and handle his business like that?
0: I think it's because he's just able to really just – level with guys whether it's it doesn't matter what your background is where you're from what kind of team you're from he's just he's just he's just really open-minded and just like hey like like what's good my friend like everything like that like he's opening arms he's he just knows how to like talk to people he's like the ultimate friend you could have I always told some friends I'm like dude he's like the ultimate guy you could probably just go to like a local dive bar to and just literally just kick it with and chop it up with just talk to because he's just he's just that friendly he's just that easy. He just, the guy has like no like ill will in his in his body, or at least ones that he can show. And he just knows that, hey, when the time comes, I'm just trying to really get everyone together, upbeat, positive attitude, because ultimately they all share a common goal, right, to win games, be, improve yourselves, and ideally get to a Super Bowl and go far. But you know, it, it's, it's just something that he he just he just keeps himself. He just talks to these guys, he rallies around. Them. I think it really again ties into what I said a minute ago is just how authentic he is, genuine. There's not really a fake bone in his in his body, and he just like. He doesn't really. There's not really much that really like kicks him off, really. So I think that's what something that players will just love about him is just he's being himself. And again, the same thing that that caller has, like not being afraid of your own skin. And that and there's, there's, there's these players, you know, they can sniff out fake, you know. And, yep. and I think a good amount of people. So the fact that they they can see it in him, and there's other players who always test him. I mean, like Niners players have nothing nothing uh, nothing but a positive things to say about him, even when you know they had all these other quarterbacks coming in. So that's always a great review from on his end.
2: Yeah, no, that is a really good review. Again, Jose Sanchez, all49ersSI.com is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you.
3: From the fan base perspective and the player perspective, if you have it, what were the thoughts on Jimmy G when it comes to if he was asked to do more on the field? I take it back to that conference championship game in 2019 where people say he only threw eight passes. Well, that's because the team wasn't asking him to do any more. But in situations where he needed to do more and asked to do more for the team, did people think he could deliver?
0: Yeah, I think uh, if you're having Jimmy Garoppolo shoulder the burden of an offense, I think you're going to lose more games than you don't. And, and like, that NFC Championship game is a good point because, you know, you have Raheem Mostert going on, like, a Hall of Fame-worthy game, legendary. So it doesn't really matter if you don't really need him to drop back. But ultimately, it's like there's, there's been plenty of examples of, like, trying to get him, like, the game in his hands. You know, is he going to win? And a lot of times he's going he's to falter. There's a lot of things that need to go right for him before you really need him to say, Jimmy, I need you to go out there and be the driving force that makes us win these games. And th- there's not really too many examples of that. It's more, it was more of him like failing. I mean, this past season, it was good for him because, you know, he had the playmakers, he had Debo Samuel, he had a Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, all this. But ultimately, what I think, and also an elite defense, to give him extra possessions to correct his mistakes. But also another thing that worked well for him this past season is he wasn't really getting sacked. Uh, the only two games that he, in, the, in the, 10 that he played, the 10-11 that he played that he played that he really got like, uh, sacked in was Kansas City. The Niners lost that game miserably. He played miserably. And his first game, uh, starting over for Trey Lance when he got injured, that's Denver. He played miserable in that game as well. Other than that, he was sound for the most part. He was playing efficiently. Honestly, this past season, he, it was the most high-level I've seen for him since 2019. And since we're on the subject of can he go out there and win, the, win those games, I the two games I always stand up to mind, of the best games that I think he's played of his career was 2019 in New Orleans in the Superdome. He goes out there and just battles, you know, back and forth with Drew Brees. Mm, probably the yeah. best match of his career. And ultimately, I think my favorite, and I will always say it's the best game of his career, was this week 17 uh, season finale, you know, in Seattle. Niners don't win there at all. And it's more renowned because Dre Greenlock makes the goal line stand, but Jimmy Garoppolo started, I think, at least 12 for 12 in that game. He was on fire. In the second half, he played well as. Again, and for me, it's like, dude, you're going to that atmosphere. like it it's a good defense in Seattle at the time. You know, Niners always fold here. This is where you guys lose. You're supposed to lose. But he just goes out there and just slices and dices. Them, calm, collect, and compose. So those are the two games always that stand up to me as the most that he can really go out there and deliver. But, again, it's a lot of things that have to go right. Um, I know people like to attest to be like, look, he's 28-8 he's and eight, or whatever the record is now. But it's like, you know, like you're comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to – you know, backup quarterbacks that the Forty ers have had. That's not really like, <laughs> I would hope he would have a positive record over backup quarterback because that means the Raiders don't really get a good player at this point to so be the starter. So, in terms of trying to get out there and win a game, I think you're going to really want to solidify and really have people around him that can make him, make you feel confident and comfortable that he can go do it. So, Right, you got you know you got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. is good, but I think especially for the Raiders, you really want to solidify the offensive line first and foremost.
3: So even when it comes to, well, let's assume because every team goes into a season thinking that everything is going to plan out right and everybody's going to be healthy. But if the game's on the line in the fourth quarter for the Niner fan base, is it all oh, man? We got Jimmy G, or is it that confidence of hey everybody's on the field and if they can execute the offense, we don't have we don't mind him having the ball with his hands with the game on the line.
0: Oh, there was a thousand percent a lot, a lot of uh, sourness. <laughs> like you, know, you just ate a lemon. Like it's just like, oh my God, like I'll just hold your breath, everyone. Hold your breath. You know, no one breathes. It, it, it would definitely feel that way. I would feel that way. I'm not even saying. I'm just watching, like, oh, Jimmy, where are you throwing it to? Um, I think it was a little easier this past season, like I said, because there was more games where they, they were pretty much running away with it in the fourth quarter. At, uh, yeah, towards the end. But yeah, in the past it was always like this there was always a solid we call we call him the Jimmy Gimmies. There's always five throws, the Jimmy Gimmies where he throws like, What are you doing? Where his low moments are literally the lowest of the low of probably all starting quarterbacks in the league. But then after that, once you get those out of the way, it's like, okay, he's clicking, he's fine, he's throwing to the open receiver and, and it's good. And that's one thing I noticed from his press conference. He says, I'm a big proponent of, you know, yards after the catch. And yeah, that's pretty much what he is. Like anything like past five or ten yards of the line of scrimmage I don't think you're going to see too many of that. And to his credit, this past season he did he did attack more downfield than he has in your past. He also was able he also was able to show a little bit more mobility than he has in the past. And I think it's because he's trying to really challenge himself and make himself available for the free market where he's now with the Raiders. But I think yeah, that's that's really where the offense really has to take take maybe maybe a step back in so terms of challenging challenging it downfield as opposed to like a Derek Carr. Because Devontae Adams, you know, he's a leader of the league. He's going to get his. But, of course, you want to get him past 10 yards, and he might have to relegate a little bit more towards, you know, slants, crosses. That's really what Jimmy thrives off, it, just like. He can hit these guys and strikes nicely and just lets them take off. So I'm really curious how it's going to fit in Justin Janis' system because, again, that's what I attest you: Can you rely on him to really, you know, go out there, steal you, win you this game, steal it for you? Um, it, it just goes back to you really need a good foundation around him so he can really be at his peak.
2: You know, let me ask you this then, because that is intriguing to me. You know, obviously, Devontae Adams, we know he's not a burner, but I mean, he can do anything he wants on the football field. He's fantastic. But they brought in Jacoby Myers. He's not a burner, but he's a guy that will hit you with the slants. He's a guy that knows how to get open. Hunter Renfro, you know firsthand what that guy could do. So, with the weapons that are around him, do you think that that maybe be the kind of the strategy that Josh McDaniels has? Is that get the ball out of his hand quickly and let the guys get yards after the catch?
0: Yeah, I think that has to be the way because Jimmy's game you can't have him challenge downfield. There were plenty of instances of you know, especially with the 49ers offense, Kyle Shanahan he wants Jimmy to take shots downfield, um, and a lot of times it's not even so much that it wasn't open because a lot, a lot of instances where they are open. He just he just doesn't want to do it, and I'm not even sure if you want him to do it because he's not the most accurate deep ball uh, deep ball uh, down the field thrower. <laughs> you know, it might, mm-hmm. might go some might sail past the guys. I mean. I think back to twenty twenty one where he spent where Kyle Eustach wide open. It's almost like he's fielding a punt, and Jimmy completely whiffs the throw. It would have been a six, and they would have won that game. But that's that's the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't want him putting too much into situations where it's going to be he missed one. Keep it into what he can work best with. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have him do too much, and if, and he want him to really have some momentum. That's, that's, that's the one thing I always know about him. He's, a, he's, he's like a pitcher or a shooter in basketball. Like, you need him to be on a heater, and when he's on one, that's when it's like, okay, he can actually pull together the rest of the game, and it can even go and string, against, and string together some games in the future where he starts playing that way. So I think that's where you want with Garoppolo. That's why he, that's why he thrives with the yards after the catch, throws short, and once you get those, then maybe he builds some confidence and, it can, and it can throw deep. But ultimately, you, you really want him to stay confined within the line of scrimmage and within 10 yards of, of a pass.
3: Something I've got to ask about are the legs, because that was one thing that fans could not stand about Derek Carr. If he needs to escape the pocket, can Jimmy G escape? I'm not saying be Lamar Jackson, but can he escape the, the pocket and maybe get that first down if need be?
0: Uh, I mean, he's willing. He's willing. <laughs> That's I'm well a start. I'm well, I'm well well. at Derek Carr, like, it's because, especially with, with Derek, like, it's like, Derek, you have the ability. You can go do it. You do it. Why don't you? So, I mean, I think he definitely has that leg up on Garoppolo, but I would probably say, yeah, Garoppolo is at least more willing. Again, especially this past season, he demonstrated that more, but especially more like a rolling out, like let me just take like three-four-yard steps to my left or right. Let me try to like make some some backyard play. And I, I think that's something that he really just he, he, he demonstrated a little bit more of, not a lot, a little bit more of, of playing out of structure than the offense. And I think that's something where he's going to need to really pick up on. He might have to because, you know, the Raiders offensive line isn't the most sound. He didn't have to do it too many instances. because Again, he only got sacked like eight times when the, in the 8-11, start, 8-11 starts with the 49ers. So in that instance, I mean, Frank, like, he, he's not really a bird. You don't really want him doing that, first of all, because, you know, giving his injury history, you know, if, unless it's like two yards away. Because once he takes a hit, that's one thing. No matter what, he takes a hit, everyone, hold your breath. <laughs> That's more of a hold your breath situation than it is with the fourth quarter question you asked him earlier. It's like, <laughs> which it's like, is he going to get hit? Because the guy, come on, he's, it, it, let's face it. The reality is, he's an injury prone player. He broke his foot again uh, with another injury. Before that, he tore um, he tore his ligaments in his throwing thumb, and on that same throwing arm, his sprained his shoulder. And it's like, man, everything's like this guy has like the worst luck. Yeah. <laughs> the worst luck, and it's just the reality. So I think, in that sense. He's a little bit I would give him that credit. He has more toughness to him than Derek Carr, especially going willing to run with the ball in his hands or escaping. But ultimately, you're going to be you'd be scaring yourself to death, and you don't want that because it can, all, it can all end with one hit for him. I mean, heck, his broken foot happened with one hit in the Miami game, and you know what happened? He was trying to roll to his right. He was trying to roll to his right, and someone tackled him from behind, and that's all it takes. So you really, you really want to avoid that as much as you can.
2: Got to keep him in bubble wrap. Got to keep him in bubble wrap when you're talking about Jimmy G. But now he is the the quarterback of the silver and black, and the Raider fans will get behind him and support him and hope that he can go out there and do the best he can. And so the final question for you, Jose, we do appreciate your time this afternoon. Kyle Shanahan, he coaches from from a distance from what I see. He coaches pretty hard. I know Josh McDaniels coaches really hard. Uh, Is it safe to say that Jimmy is okay with tough, tough coaching? No. Yeah, he is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he is. And it's funny this past season, I think we got to finally
2: see the real – the realness of Jimmy
0: Garoppolo, because since it was pretty much evident that even though they re-signed him last year, it was his last year, right. and he was a little bit more, he was more spicier, he was a little more verbal, and I love that version of Jimmy, like, you know, you get the, you get the little bit of the low-key viral video of the Denver game where he says, you know, to Kyle, your play suck, man, and so there's a little there's a little bit of, like, also, like, like sublima, subliminal shots that they were both taking each other a little bit early on in some press conferences when Jimmy first got his first three starts. So it was almost like oh at that point vocal, but other than that, yeah, he's he's just good at taking it, you know, with the criticisms. And I think with Mendez, it'll be an easy transition for him. He, he doesn't take it too much to heart. Um, I just wonder at this point, like how much can you actually coach the mistakes out of him and try to get him improved? Because he, I, I think he is what he is at this point. There's not much. What, what you see is what you get. What you right. have been seeing the last few years, and I don't, I wouldn't expect anything different. So that's why I say, like this past season, it was interesting to see him take a, like a little bit more shots downfield and to move around a little bit, and make uh, make plays out of structure. Because it, was, it, I think he realized, like I need to do this to better myself and actually take a challenge. And plus, also. He knew he's like, hey, Kyle doesn't want me to do this. but I'm gonna do it anyways because that's one thing Kyle hates in this quarterback is when he goes when the quarterbacks go a and to do their own thing. So I think that I think last year was a little bit of his own. I'm taking this under myself. I got to do this more and let me show what I can do. And, and it, it worked. It worked. That's why they won many games last year and he played efficiently well. Um, and that's the thing that has to be the hope with the Raiders this year coming with him. So long as he's healthy, Fingers crossed that he's healthy, which always is a huge, huge if.
2: Yeah, it is. And that's something that we talked about quite a bit here on the show. Well, Jose, great stuff as always, man. Great breakdown of Jimmy G. We definitely appreciate it. I knew that you were going to be the guy for the job. All49ersSI.com. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for?
0: Oh, man, you got a bunch of free agency news, you know, with the Niners and everything. So, I mean, right now it's a, little, it's a little tame right now. So, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm at the range, given the given the live analysis of what the Niners made and everything, because they had 21 free agents, number six free agents, and about – 10 have already departed with only three or
2: four signs.
0: So there's a lot lost. So a contemporary pick season next year is coming
2: up. There you go. Well, good stuff as always, my man. I appreciate you. Enjoy your St. Paddy's Day and enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch up and talk soon. Oh, right on, man.
0: You guys have a better weekend. Right on.
2: Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. Jose Sanchez, all49ersSI.com, at J Sanchez FN. Right there on Twitter, you can check him out And appreciate his feedback, appreciate his Honest feedback on the good and the bad When it comes to Jimmy G, and that's what we asked for We're not looking for fluff, we're not looking For fluff pieces, we're not trying to Put lipstick on a pig, just want to get the, the Honest opinions, and so I, I can appreciate The good and the bad from Jose when it comes To Jimmy G, he is the Raiders quarterback 2023, he said all the right things At the presser, uh, talked about earning The job, earning leadership, earning Respect in the locker room, everything was earn, earn Earn, 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 he told uh, uh, he, told his, uh, he told JT earlier that that all comes from, uh, you know, watching his dad as an electrician getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and just going to work, putting that, you know, uh, you know that blue-collar approach, and that's just who he is. So uh, I could appreciate that as well. Again, the question that we threw out there, overall, what are your feelings on Jimmy G, what he had to say as he met with the media earlier today? And then the second question, if the Raiders stay put at number seven, Jalen Carter's there, Christian Gonzalez is there, and one of the quarterbacks, Levis or Richardson, is there. What do you do and why? Let us know about it. 69187-Keyword R or 702 365 9200 We'll have my guy Nick Shook from NFL Network join us at 330. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
2: 326 of the time, just a few minutes. We'll have my guy Nick Shook from the NFL Network. He'll join us to talk all things NFL. Talk about free agency and now that the first wave is already done and, and beside us, talking about what's coming up next, the second wave where you may actually get a little bit more value for some of these players that these different teams are signing. And we'll talk about Jimmy G as well. But Nick Shook will join us in a matter of minutes. Do the question out there. Matter of fact, do a couple questions out there for your response, either 702-365-9200 or our don'tbebroke.com text line, at 69187 keyword r uh, What are your overall feelings on what Jimmy G had to say as he met with the media today? And the second question, if the Raiders stay put at number seven, Jalen Carter happens to be there, Christian Gonzalez happens to be there, or one of these two quarterbacks, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, are there, what do you do and why? I believe one of the quarterbacks will be there. I don't know which one it'll be. So that's why I just threw out one of them. If you pick one, someone will say, why don't you like the other guy? Look, I don't care. Whoever the the Raiders want, if they want one of those guys, cool. I'm just asking what you would do if one of those guys were available or any of those guys would be available. That is the question, 69187, keyword R&R. Mailman Raider said, Q, this one is easy for me. If Richardson is there, I take him. Sure, there's bus potential, but there's also superstar potential as well. And Raider Nation needs that, especially in Vegas. If it's Levis there, I'm not touching him with a 100-yard pole. And in that case, the best player in the draft out the gate, Carter, I'm not worried about his legal situation. That dude is a stud. That's coming from Mailman Raider. I'm with you. Like I, I think that. That Richardson has a very high ceiling. I know, actually, I feel like both of those guys, Levis and Richardson, have a very high ceiling. I just don't know, you know, which one is going to be the dude, if, if either one of them is going to be. You know, we had, um, who did we have on? I can't remember yesterday. Uh, oh, Justin Mello, duh, from the Draft Network. <laughs> uh, he had a really good conversation with him, and he had brought up the point of, Q, what was the last time four guys, four quarterbacks at the top of the draft, all were really good. So, you know, there's a chance that CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, all four of those guys aren't going to be really good. There's a good chance that maybe only one of those guys, or hell, maybe none of those guys end up being worth the salt. I mean, we just really don't know. So, you know, to me, as many holes as the Raiders have on defense, I want to go and fill one of those holes with a guy that I think could be a stud like a Christian Gonzalez or a Jalen Carter or whoever that might be that defensive stud. But then you're like, well, are you passing on a chance to get a quarterback that you might not get another opportunity for, right? It's, just, it's such a tough call, and that's why I throw the question out there to you. Uh, got a text from Raider James. He said, hey Q, it's Raider James. Question number one, Jimmy G, there are some parallels to Plunkett, but for me, he reminds me of Rich Gannon coming in. Not the biggest arm, but a potential winner. That's uh, Raider James. And I've heard that with Gannon a couple times. The only thing about Gannon is he wasn't a guy that was that, that, that was as injured as often as Jimmy G. He was a journeyman quarterback, that's for sure. But I always wondered, I was always, it like blew my mind when he was in Kansas City, why the Chiefs never just kind of Passed the the, the the reins over to him and said, all right, you run it. They they let him start, and then they brought in Elvis Gerback, and they gave the reins to Elvis Gerbach, gave a big, fat contract, and I never understood why Elvis was the guy and not Rich Gannon. So when the Raiders picked him up, I was like, oh, that guy's good. He beats the Raiders every time he plays them. So uh, I was excited about Rich Gannon coming in. As far as question number two, he said, neither. Hendon Hooker is the only legit superstar this year. Do whatever it takes to get him. So if the Raiders stay there at number seven, you don't want them to pick any of those guys. You want them to pick Hooker. So I'm assuming that you're going to trade back because you're not picking Hendon Hooker at seven. So if they are staying there at seven, who are you picking out of the guys that are there? So if you're not going to take a quarterback and you plan on Hendon Hooker later, are you trading back to get Hendon Hooker? Or are you picking one of the defensive players, and then trying to trade up to the back end of the first round and get and Hooker. So that's really uh, the question when it comes to the question number two that I asked you. But those are the questions that I have for you. Again, 702-365-9200 when we don't have uh, a guest. And then also our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword r Join us now on the phone lines from the NFL Network is my guy Nick Shook. And Nick, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you as always, my man. And free agency the first wave is kind of come and gone and let me start with this it seems like this year's free agent class wasn't as sexy and big names and big time impact players as as previous years is that correct
1: yeah that's correct i mean it just wasn't as strong of a class that happens from year to year you still had some guys but you know we're not talking about um i guess the top of the top and i think a project that often is uh you know, a lot of these teams realizing that, hey, you know, we this guy's an important part of our team. We're going to find every way to get the deal done. It feels like, and I don't know if this is just recency bias, but it feels like these big time deals get done more often than they used to. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day, you had a Lance Briggs who wanted an X amount of dollars and the Bears refused to give it to him and it was a big standoff and that type of thing. Um, you know, they, these guys, a lot of these guys get closer to that point where, uh, you know, they end up hitting free agency. Now, Lamar, I think, is the exception, but that's kind of a unique situation. The fact that, They've been working on a deal for a long time and just haven't come close and he doesn't have an agent and, and they put, you know, the, 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 the tag on him that essentially leaves the door open for him to be negotiated with as if, you know, hey, go find out what your market is and maybe you'll realize that you aren't going to get that guaranteed money that you think you should get from us. Uh, that's kind of a unique situation that's created by the Deshaun Watson's, uh, you know, that deal that happened a year ago. So I think overall, yeah, the class is not as strong and, and that's fine because, um, you know, as we know, year by year, Typically, the teams that win free agency don't tend to win as many games on the field. I mean, we even saw last year, you know, you saw the Raiders go get, you know, Chandler Jones as a response to the Chargers getting Khalil Mack. And there was this arms race in the AFC West. And, you know, when the dust settled, it was the Chiefs and the Chargers in the playoffs and the Chargers losing on Super Wild Card weekend. So, you know, it's good for the headlines, of course. It's good for this time of year. It's good for the news machine that never stops. But, you know, sometimes the lack of strength, it's fine. It's okay.
2: Yeah, no, it really is, and I say that all the time. I caution people to not get so excited by free agent signings because there's a reason they're free agents. You know, that's first, and normally, like you mentioned, you don't build teams through free agency, and if you win the offseason, normally you're not winning in the regular season, so there's always that. But you you mentioned Lamar Jackson, and uh, this is a situation that, to me, it just kind of blows my mind. Is there any way in your mind that he's not a Baltimore Raven quarterback next season? Um, I think it would be – I think that he's worth two first-round
1: picks that it would take to pry him from the Ravens. Um, I don't know if the market's going to be there. And, right. and the reason is is a lot of these quarterback chips have already fallen. Garoppolo's with the Raiders. Rodgers is set to go to New York. Um, you know, we've got a lot of these things already kind of sorted out. And, you know, even the Commanders go sign Jacoby Brissett. So every destination uh, for these quarterbacks is starting to sort itself out. Car down in New Orleans. Um, and I don't see a team like, you know, that still needs that's a quarterback like, you know, say the Colts, for example, or another team uh, in the NFL giving up that type of capital for Lamar. And, and I hate to say it because I think he gets dinged for this way too much because he is such a dual threat quarterback, but it is because of health, at least in part. Right. You know, you're not going to make massive investments in a guy that you can't guarantee or come as close as possible to guaranteeing he's going to be on the field every year. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo run into that in San Francisco. That's part of what. I think expedited his departure from San Francisco. The fact that he just couldn't stay on the field. And Lamar, the last two seasons, has not been healthy for the entire season and has not been able to finish the season. So that is a big, um, glaring, you know, mark on his resume, unfortunately. So I think that he's worth the two first round picks. I don't know if the team's going to be willing to do what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson. That was such, um, an unprecedented and unique situation. I, I just don't know if that's going to end up happening again. And especially if it didn't happen this week. It feels more like he's going to go out there, and maybe someone will make that offer, but it's going to come in low enough to where the Ravens are going to feel comfortable about it, and he ends up being a Raven.
2: Is there any situation where this drags on so long that all of a sudden that relationship becomes bad in Baltimore between the front office and Lamar?
1: Yeah, I feel like we're already kind of getting there. You know, they might not say it, you know, especially John Harbaugh is going to come out and say, I love Lamar, and he's going to be our quarterback. He's been saying that for a while, but. If you kind of read between the lines and you listen to the tone of Eric DeCosta's voice over the last year, really, even going back to not just past combine but the combine before, uh, there is a sense of frustration or just a, an exasperation with the fact that they haven't gotten a deal done. And I also think that you know the Browns didn't help the Ravens out at all with the Watson deal because it set a bar so high that it's almost astronomical, and they can't get there. They just don't have they don't have the rocket ship to get up there. Uh, you know whether it's a willingness from ownership to commit that type of money to a player or whatever it is. And so I think that. You know, after a while, you you just get tired. You get wore out by this type of thing. I don't know if it necessarily gets to a Le'Veon Bell situation where he sits out a year, but I would not be surprised if it did, if it didn't get something done. If anything, I think it drags on for a long time because it sounds, at least as of now, like they're still pretty far apart. Unless there's a massive change of heart or a change in desires from one party or the other, I just don't feel... I I don't see a situation where these two sides are really that close. And that's without really a ton of inside information about this. It's just like... On the surface, you got Lamar tweeting about people tossing out contracts that he reportedly turned down. And he's laughing at it. Like it, it, we, it, we just don't feel like we're getting close enough to where this could end pretty soon.
2: No, it doesn't. It's really a bizarre situation that we haven't seen in a very long time, if ever. Again, we're talking with NFL Networks Nick Shook here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. My well, man, Demond's got one for you. Go ahead, Demond.
3: Yeah, you put out a piece recently about how New Raiders safety Marcus Ebb, let the league when it comes to performance based. Performance pay distribution. Is that something that's more in the contracts of guys who are later round picks, or is this something that the star players just tend to avoid?
1: uh Yeah, it's a product of the ra- usually it's later round draft picks. Um, it's a matter of they start so many games that it kind of outpaces the salary they make based on being a later round pick. And this is his past season, this past season was his first season, which he started every game. So he gets a ton of money off of that because. He's a late round pick. He was actually waived by the Vikings after he was a late round pick and picked up by the Eagles. He played as a rotational guy, you know, for the next four years, and then became the starter this year and played pretty well. But it's not so much like you had ten interceptions; it's more the amount of games you played, the the, the amount of time and snaps you played and games you started that ends up fit, factoring into that. And as a guy who started every game and was on that original rookie deal. Uh, you know, as a, a former late round pick, that's where you end up. It's, it's kind of like filling in the gaps where it's like, hey, you're not even close to your market value right now. We're going to take this uh, you know, profit sharing pool and give you some extra money. Jamar Hamlin also on that list. That's another guy, you know, started 13 or 15 games before he suffered that cardiac arrest. He was also on that list as well. So it happens. I think it was 25 guys this year. Mm-hmm. Happens annually where, you know, you just, it's, it's a way to fill in the gap compensation wise.
2: Actually, number twenty-five was Jeron Harmon, who was a safety for the Raiders uh, last year, and is a free agent right now. So, uh, do do Harmon? He was able to get a, get a little extra coin. It's about six hundred thirty-six thousand, I think he uh, made. Go ahead, Dermond.
3: And with Marcus Evans, want to stay on him for a little bit because he started every game for the Eagles, who were the uh, Super Bowl contenders for out of the NFC. What do you think about that signing for the Raiders?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it they, look, they got to address a lot of different pieces for them, Uh, you know, a lot of different areas for them. So I think it works. I think that the Raiders offseason as a whole um, ha, has been, you know, a collective effort to kind of turn over some of this roster. You know, if we look at the way that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have, have approached this, I mean, especially if you look on the offensive side of the ball too, you, you trade Darren Waller, you sign Jacoby Myers, you sign Jimmy Garoppolo. It's starting to look and follow the same formula that If you watch that Cleveland 95 uh, football life, Bill Belichick talked about he has this system. They have it's almost like archetypes of players that fit into their system that statistically the data says these guys will fit in and do well and and be productive players, even if a lot of people overlook them. That's how a lot of those guys have become, you know, star players in New England and maybe don't fit in other places. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with the Raiders as a whole in soft season is, you know, they're, they're starting to follow that formula, you know, putting their own little spin on it, but it's, you know, You should not be surprised if you see some similarities between the way that the Patriots are built and the way that, you know, they're bringing some guys over that are familiar from the Patriots over to the Raiders and kind of just, you know, addressing it piece by piece throughout this roster.
2: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Nick, because Raider fans are so frustrated because all they see is, oh, this guy's a former Patriot. This guy's a former Patriot. This guy's a former Patriot. So they get tired of that. But this is where these guys come from. So I don't really care where they come from. As long as they can play and figure things out and get things turned around with this organization, that's all that matters. But at the grand scheme of things, you cover the NFL. You cover every team in the league. Doesn't every coaching staff that comes in bring in, and I say this in air quote, their guys because they want guys that think the same way as they do and, and understand their expectations?
1: Yeah, that's, an, that's a guarantee. Anytime you have a regime change, even if it doesn't happen until year two, it's going to happen. Um, it, it's just it, it, the NFL works a lot like any other business. I mean, think about this, Q. Right. You know, when you got this job or you got whatever job, a lot of times you get a job because you get your foot in the door because you know somebody who can then push your name, you know, run it up the flagpole and get in the door. You know, it's not, or maybe somebody saw your performance and wanted to go after you. That's kind of how the NFL works too. Yep. They got their guys. They got their guys that they trust. They know are good, you know, employees or are good football players. They're going to go get them. I think back to when Eric Mangini became the head coach of the Browns and was given like czar status, and he went and uh, made a deal with the Jets. I think it involved Braylon Edwards, and and it was uh, he got Chancey Stuckey and Jason Trusnick and David Bowens from them. And maybe some picks. And these are all guys that are never going to make a headline as a defender. Uh, cause these are, well, Chancey Stucky played receiver. But they all fit into what made Genie like. The gritty guys, the guys that did what he liked well. And some of them made plays over the years, but ultimately the return on, on that value is not you know equal. It's not one-to-one. But you're going to get that. You're going to see that because they have their glue guys, the other guys that they prefer. And the guys that know how they operate and can kind of set the example in the locker room for other guys. So it's not a surprise at all.
2: No, it's not. And I'm so glad you mentioned that just everyday business life. And I tell people that will listen all the time, like, man, in radio, I've never got a job that I've applied for. This is literally the only job I've ever applied for that I got. Uh, by way of application. And I knew I already had a foot in the door when I did that. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's what life is about. It's about knowing people and and people that fit in with what you do. That's what's going to that's what's gonna be hired. That's who you're bringing in no matter what walk of life you are.
1: Yeah, it's networking. It's, it's 100% yep. networking. I can say the same thing about my job. I actually, this is – well, this specific job I did not get off just application, but I think I got my foot in the door of the network because I worked at NFL Films. And I, in fact, the NFL Films internship is the only one that I ever just applied for and and managed to get it, which is you know a de- almost a decade ago. Uh,
2: and I was you know you're shocked when that happens.
1: Right. you you got to know somebody. And it's just networking. That's all it is. It's the same thing in the NFL. It just shows up in a in a different appearance.
2: No doubt about it. Nick Shook is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio, nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Wanted to ask you about the uh, the running back market real quick because look a lot of running backs are going off the board but they're not making a lot of money and there's three guys right now that are holding uh franchise tags josh jacobs obviously here in vegas saquon barkley in new york and tony pollard there in dallas what does that say for those guys when you see all these other guys getting signed and their deals are one year two years eight million six million four million just not a lot of coin for that running back position yeah, Q,
1: the, the, the running back market is dry as the desert around where you live. Okay. It is, it is rough out there for running backs. You saw Jamal Williams go to New Orleans three years, 12 million, and he was excited about getting four million a year. Right. Four million a year is nothing. I mean, that's, yep. uh, in today's NFL, it's nothing, but it just shows the, the value of the running back. I think you're seeing a, kind of a course correction of sorts, a market correction, um, at running back over the last few years, really going back to the Todd Gurley and De- Devontae Freeman deals. Uh, where these teams were, you know, these young running backs, you got to pay them, we got to keep them. You saw it with Gurley, you saw it with Freeman. They both, you know, blew up in their faces. You saw it with Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys finally admitted defeat in that one by releasing him. Teams are just not going to pay guys. And what it really makes me curious to see is the mid-level running backs who probably have a higher ceiling and maybe didn't have the best fit. I think about a guy like Kareem Hunt, who was with the Browns, who was clearly the second fiddle to Nick Chubb, did not see the field nearly enough in the last season and a half, I was displeased about him and was ready to hit free agency. He wanted to be traded at the deadline. They didn't trade him because they knew he still brought them value. And he hasn't attracted a ton of attention since then. I thought he might get a little bit of money. Instead, you know, a team like Miami who had uh, Savan Ahmed, the only player rostered, and he was a restricted free agent joining this free agency. Instead of, like, taking a swing at him, they just go get their two guys back. And they're both on cheap deals, very similar deals. It's just the market out there is so deflated right now for running backs, and, and it's, in, it's unfortunate for game-changing running backs. I think you're still going to have your upper-crust guys who are going to get paid. But, I mean, look at the Chiefs. How have they won Super Bowls? They've rotated. The guys that made plays on the ground for them two years later are gone and don't right. get paid a lot of money. And, and the same thing is kind of true with Isaiah Pacheco. And they, they benefited him because he's a rookie, right? Yep. And So they're going to ride out that rookie deal, but eventually I don't think he really gets paid either because it's just the return is not there. The running back position – too much wear and tear on these guys. They just don't last long enough to invest big dollars unless they're those elite players, like a Josh Jacobs.
2: Well, what, with that being said, what, what kind of market, I mean, as far as, I don't think he's going anywhere. I believe he'll be with the Raiders next year, but I don't think it's going to be a big-time deal. I think it'll be something front-loaded, you know, maybe a couple years with some front-loaded cash, but I don't think they're going to be. I think the days of the Christian McCaffrey deals and the and the Zeke Elliott deals and, like you said, Todd Gurley deals, I think those are long behind us.
1: Yeah, and the Christian McCaffrey deal, by the way, didn't work out for the Panthers either. No, nope. I mean, he was hurt yep. for two years in a row after signing and before they finally moved on from him. It, th- th- those just don't work. I do think that the front loaded thing is kind of a win-win for everybody because, mm-hmm. look, you're playing really good football right now. we got a good situation around you. We're going to maximize your talent. We're going to give you all your money right now, but we're not going to pay you four years from now. You're not going to get the security. It sucks because, like, in any profession, you would love job security and to be rewarded accordingly with trust, but... As a position, just the nature of it alone, it is so rare to get an Adrian Peterson type, who also, by the way, got hurt for extended periods of time within yep. seasons when he was at the Vikings. It's so rare to get a guy who's that durable and that consistent for a long time. I think it's going away. I don't think we're going to see that for a while now. I, I even think about like the best running back in this draft class, B. John Robinson. I love the way he yes. plays. and He looks yes. awesome at the combine. I think he's going to be a stud. But I just think about J.K. Dobbins when I think of him, and he dealt with injuries himself. It's just so easy to get hurt you just can't make the investment. And that's why, I mean, really it started with the draft, right? It started Mm -hmm. with guys falling out of the top five, the top ten, ten, almost entirely out of the first round as a whole. It's because teams have wised up and realized, look, they're just not worth this capital anymore. We can get by with somebody and not pay them nearly as much.
3: A position that does get paid a lot, Left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. signing with the Bengals, but now their previous left tackle, a former first-round pick, Jonah Williams is now requesting a trade. What do you think the trade market would be like for him, and does he want to stay at left tackle?
1: First off, a tip of the cap, that was quite a pro transition there out of you. That was fantastic.
2: Um, (laughs) He's learning. He's learning, Nick. Don't give him too much props. (laughs) You're on your
1: way. Uh, I think that uh, the Jonah Williams thing is interesting because I mean, like, look, look at this, cute. Like, say, you know, your station goes out and they get like the number one, you know, drive time host in the entire West, not just like you know Vegas, but the entire West Coast, and they right. just slide him in into your job and like, oh, by the way, you're uh, you're a midday show now or you're a late night show now. You'd be like, what? Like, am I still getting paid the same? Yeah, for this year, and and then you know we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, all of a you'd be like, man, I'm going to go find employment somewhere else. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to do too look, this is your last tackle since you drafted him. Right. Yeah, he missed his whole rookie season. He's played pretty solid football. He's not elite, but he's pretty solid. And I think that's often worth a lot of money, more money uh, to some guys and some teams where they're like, hey, uh, you're, you're solid, you're not great, but we're going to pay you like you're slightly above solid because it's really hard to find solid guys in the position. But the Bengals went out and said, hey, look, we're we're tired of this. Like, we are going to continue to invest in our offensive line. we got a guy right in front of us. Let's go get him now before we got to pay Joe Burrow and really protect this guy. They are showing that they have to protect Joe Burrow, and they're aware of it. The thing is, is what does Jonah what, what does Williams do now? Does he move to the right side? Leo Collins probably not going to be back for a while because he suffered that knee injury late in the season. So maybe that's your plan is you put him over there. But now you've got all this money invested. The good thing for the Bengals is Jonah Williams is going to be a free agent next year. So you could just write out that last year of of the deal and make it all fit, which is why it makes sense that they went and got Orlando Brown. But from Jonah's perspective, I could totally understand why you won't want to be there. Because let's go look at the guy who replaced him. That's why he left Baltimore, because he played left tackle and plays a Ronnie Stanley and realized I'm good here and I can make a lot more money here and I want to stay here. And if you don't let me stay here, then send me somewhere else. And they obliged and sent him to Kansas City. So... It's all about power plays and leverage. I don't know how much leverage Jonah has right now, and because he's only got 1 year left on his deal, Bengals could just say, "Hey, you know, tough stuff. You're going to have to, you know, deal with this. Play right tackle for us and uh go make your money next year and find your next destination there." Uh, but I totally understand why he'd want to find somewhere else where he would continue to play left tackle and not uh,
2: not you know may be diminished a little bit
1: because right tackle just doesn't quite get as much money as left. Although they're coming closer as with the years progress.
2: Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Teams need right tackles. That's for sure. And and I'll tell you what James that yeah exactly. that one year that one year left on his deal is the one thing that's going to hurt him in this situation because that's valuable to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, just being able to have him on that last year of his uh, his rookie deal. Well, good stuff, Nick as always uh, definitely appreciate you and your insight, man. what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Well, you know what? We want to talk about Raider Nation and just a little something on Garoppolo off his press conference. Nice. So go check that out. You know? Yes. Anything else. You know. NFL.com, we're chock full of content. I've been producing it like a machine all week.
2: I know you have, and you're on Twitter at the shook, and we definitely appreciate you joining us. Uh, enjoy your day today and enjoy the weekend, man. Have a fantastic time. We'll catch up soon. I always love hopping on the show with you, Q. Thanks for having me on, man. No doubt. No doubt. There he goes. Nick Shook. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. And, yeah, man, it's always fun on the weekend, man. It's a Friday. Everyone get ready for the weekend. I'm ready to get loose, too. The sun is out, right? We hear sometimes. We hear on the times because it's easy on the radio to say, oh, it's a beautiful and perfect day in Las Vegas. Today literally is a beautiful and perfect day in Las Vegas. It's not always a perfect and beautiful day, but it is one today. I wish I was somewhere uh, out by a pool doing the show from there, but... Uh, lo and behold, I'm stuck in the in, in, in the in the house studio, and DeMond is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I actually got to do a radio show following this show for another four hours, so uh, by the time I get off the radio, it will not be perfect and and, and awesome, uh, beautiful day in Vegas, but it is right now, so soak it in and enjoy it and head into the weekend the right way. 349 is the time. Many thanks to Nick Shook. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. We'll come back. We'll close out hour number two. This is Red Nation Radio 920.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness
1: with your boy Q.
2: Many thanks to my guy Nick Shook from the NFL Network joined us. Talk all things, just NFL in general, free agency, what to look for, what not to look for. I find that running back market very interesting. I really do. Matter of fact, part of my podcast the other day about the was about the running back market and how all these guys are getting deals, but there's so little money that, one, it puts the Raiders in a good position to resign Josh Jacobs, which I believe they're going to do anyway, but... It also sucks for a running back like Josh Jacobs because, well, you know that they're deserving of a lot of money. He's deserving of, you know, whatever money he can get. But it's just you just know that the value of the running back is not what it should be. So uh, that's unfortunate, but it does help the Raiders in kind of a better effort and more realistic to be able to get the deal done with one Josh Jacobs. We'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r and I believe from the Vipers, uh, Nigel Hill will be joining us. A defensive back will be joining us at the top of the hour. Who we got up right now, Damon? ABA, Ivan Davis. ABA, welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
4: Hey, thanks for taking my car. This is going to be super brief. Cool. I didn't hear Jimmy G speak, so but it sounds like he said all the right things. I'll check that out a little bit later. But as far as the second question, I got to an answer that's 1 and 1A. One okay. And it, it, it depends on who falls. Okay, if that generational quarterback falls down, I believe it's Richardson, right? Yep. Okay, the one with the freakish talent. If he yep. falls, I take him. Jimmy G is the perfect bridge because he can go two, three years. Whatever you got whatever you got to do not to play him till he's ready, he's got time to develop. Although uh, the other part of that is Richardson, okay, I would act if, if I would actually flip-flop that and take Richardson if I did a thorough, thorough investigation, and like 99 percent of it came back that he was a choir boy, that, that would tell me, okay, whatever this incident was was isolated, and, I would, and and it's still a gamble, but that would be the only way that I would take him. So are you
2: talking about, you're talking about Carter: slimmest, you're talking about Carter. Right, the defensive tackle. Yeah, Jalen Carter. Yeah, there you go. I got you now. Okay.
4: Right. Okay. And so, by the slimmest of margins. Okay, I would take the quarterback. But but like I said, it depends on that investigation, which way they go, that that margin would change. If if it's like it's got to be like ninety nine percent, not eighty seventy. It's got to be ninety nine percent.
2: All right. There okay. you go. And, yep. and
4: that's there you go. Thanks a lot. Q.
2: Hey, thank you for the call. It's always good to hear from you. That's ABA Ivan David. Appreciate the call, my man. And yeah, I mean that's one of those things. You know, the good thing for Jalen Carter, and that's a defensive tackle out of Georgia. That's got the you know the issues off the field. Uh, there's time between now and the draft for some team, regardless if it's the Raiders or anyone else, to figure out uh, hit this guy's background, dig deep into it, and and figure out if this investment is worth the investment. Because again, as much as it you know it's not really cool to say it like that. That's what these guys are. They're investments, especially if you're picking in the top ten. then You're going to give them a whole lot of money. You've got to make sure that they're going to make the right decisions or at least feel pretty good about the decisions that they plan on making. ABA, Ivan Davis, thanks for the call. 357 is the time. We're expected to have Nigel Hill from the Vegas Vipers joining the show at the top of the hour. If we do, we'll talk to him. If not, we'll talk to you. This is Red Nation Radio 920.